Thank you. Good morning. Let's start by uh, sharing and uh, hearing God's word from Matthew 13 this morning. I'm going to read from Matthew 13 a couple more parables about the kingdom of God. Oh, how we, uh, how we need the help of God and His Spirit to not only to hear the Word, but to hear it with understanding. My, I was talking with our, our son from Chicago. We have two sons. Uh, one of them is uh, one of the pastors at a church in Del Rapids. Um, so they're not too far away, he and his wife and three kids. Our other son, uh, I may have shared this before, forgive me if I have, but our other son is from Chicago. He and his wife have only been married a couple of years, and uh, he just uh, graduated recently from Moody Theological Seminary. He's, he's uh, working part-time with the church, and his wife is a speech therapist, will be employed in the Chicago public school system. But um, uh, talking, they're visiting this weekend. They're visiting this weekend. I would have brought them here, but my, <laughs> of course, you know, when... When little brother is visiting, he's got to go to Big Brother's Church in Del Rapids. So, so uh, that's where they are this morning. Um, but I was talking with him about the parables, and um, you know, we <laughs> we both kind of admit they some of the parables kind of make you scratch your head at times. Uh, they're not that easy to to understand sometimes. And of course, of course, Jesus told them with the intent that uh, those who wanted to hear, wanted to understand, would be given understanding. Those who did not want to hear, uh, they'd still be scratching their heads. But we, so we depend, as we come to the Word this morning, we depend on the Spirit of God to help us, to enlighten us. And um, I would like to do the best I can to, to look at a couple more parables about the kingdom of God and what it means for us right here now, as we're living in the culture we live in. Now, let's admit it, it's, it's tough sometimes, you know, tough to, to uh, be here identified as a member of God's kingdom and yet um, live in a very unkingdom-like world where our neighbors don't share the same values and faith that we do. And... Um, uh, I, I just hope we can gain a little bit of understanding this morning. Let's read from Matthew 13. I'm going to read from 24 to 30, the parable of the, uh, the wheat and the tares, the good seed and the bad seed, and then an interpretation of that parable, and then uh, another parable about the, the, the net, the, the fishing net. So from verse 24 through 30. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go gather them? But he said, no, 
uh, lest in gathering the weeds you may root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Down to verse 34, or I'm sorry, verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are they are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, out of his kingdom, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. One more parable, and that's at verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad, so it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come, come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's join in prayer. Lord God, we come to you knowing that we, on our own, are, are incapable of knowing you and, and, and understanding you. Um, there are mysteries um, of the kingdom we have yet to, to, um, to learn and understand, but we, we know that you have humbled yourself and revealed yourself through your son, Jesus. You've come to save us and to make us new, to give us your spirit and to lead us into truth. So we pray you'll do that now. We pray you'll just uh, especially keep, help us keep in mind the overwhelming, uh, that which we've sung about already, the overwhelming grace and mercy you show to us, paying our debt in full. We can't fathom, Father. We can't fathom sometimes how, how great is your mercy toward us. Um, we just uh, pray that you will overwhelm our soul that with, with that love of God that saved us, that we might begin to show, even imperfectly, that love to our neighbors and to one another. We pray for your presence and your help. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever gotten letters like this. When I was a full-time pastor, occasionally in my office I'd get emails um, that went something like this, um, brethren in Christ, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am, and she named, uh, this lady named herself, an aging widow suffering from a long time illness. I've, I've currently admitted in a private hospital here in the capital city of, uh, she names the country. I have some funds I inherited from my late loving husband. And she names him. The sum of five 
$1,500,000, which he deposited in a bank here. And I need a very honest and God-fearing Christian that can use these funds for God's work. And 15% of the total funds will be for your compensation for doing this work of God. I found your email address from the internet and decided to contact you. Please, if you'd be able to use these funds for the Lord's work, kindly reply to me. And she gives an email address. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> so there, I, get, I would get several of those every week for a while. There are imposters out there, aren't there? Um, you know, they, they look like, they sound in some ways like real believers. They use the right language. Um, but their motives are, are not right at all. And, uh, you know, we, we, we realize that they're out to scam people. And we, we are... Um, we get fed up with people like that and others who take advantage of us and sell, you know, sell big financial, good, good sounding financial schemes to uh, poor unsuspecting widows or elderly and, and uh, take advantage of others. But for some reason, God lets them do their thing and has left us here to deal with them. To live with them. As believers, we are part of a new kingdom. Uh, we've been saved and brought under the rule of God, which is the kingdom. We've been brought under the rule of a new king, a new Lord, a savior, Jesus. And his kingdom is not of this world. It, it is a spiritual kingdom, but it has come. It has arrived in Jesus. And we saw last week, it's like a mustard seed. It's, it's very, it begins very small and looks pretty insignificant at times, but it's powerful. It grows to become a blessing to, to many. And uh, we saw that it's like leaven hidden away in the bread, uh, but it's a powerful influence spreading and influencing all around it. So the kingdom is here. It's growing, but it's not here yet in its fullest form, is it? When Jesus comes again, it will be here in perfection. So it's, it's here already, but not yet fully. Which means right now, we are surrounded with very, as I said, unkingdom-like people. We have to live and rub shoulders every day with people who don't share our beliefs and our values and our faith. How do we do that? In the, in the story of the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and the tares, as another version says, um, he, he, he presents this truth that we, right now, saints and sinners are coexisting in this world. Jesus told this story of, that every farmer could probably relate to. A man plants a field of wheat. Uh, he uses good seed and he expects a harvest, a fruitful harvest. But this man has an enemy. Someone has something against him. Don't know what, but he's mad. And one night, while the farmer and his hired men are sleeping, this hate-filled character, seeking revenge for some reason, comes in and plants weeds or tares. Now, tares, uh, in, in the Bible, uh, many Bible scholars believe, are referring to a plant called bearded darnel. Bearded darnel, which is so similar to the wheat plant that it's almost impossible to distinguish between the two until the wheat ripens. It, but in the meantime, it grows right alongside the wheat and intertwines its roots 
And uh, even if you did recognize it, if you tried to pull out the tares, the weeds, while, while they were growing, you'd probably pull up the wheat as well. That was a great way to mess up the crop of somebody you didn't like. Sabotages his field with, with bearded Darnell. In fact, it was such a common crime that the Romans even had a law against it. So when that wheat begins to, to head out, this, this man's farm hands, uh, they spy the, the weeds, the tares growing. They're all set to go out and pull up those weeds. But the owner says, no, not yet. It's not the right time. Let those weeds grow. When the harvest time comes, uh, we'll take care of it. The reapers will come in. They're experts. They'll be able to tell which is which. They'll separate the tares and they'll uh, bind them up and burn them. And then they'll gather up the good wheat and put it in the barn. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. What did he mean? Uh, later on, with, when he was alone with his disciples, they ask him and he explains. And we see that explanation in verses 37 to 43. He says, uh, the field... Is, is the world, the world we live in. There are two kinds of seeds, uh, the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one. Sons of the kingdom, those who belong to the king. In other words, those who have trusted the king, Jesus, for forgiveness, and they are living for him. The, the sons of the evil one are those who have rejected the king, he says, the harvest is the end of this age. Remember, we're living right now in, in the age in which man is trying to be his own king, uh, living under his own rule. At the close of this age, there will be a separation, a judgment. And there'll be, it'll be supervised by the king himself, Jesus Christ, as he sends out his reapers, his angels. Um, and those who are not part of the kingdom will be thrown into the fiery furnace, which is one of the Bible's images of hell. And those who work against, those who work against the king and cause others to turn against him, uh, they will suffer torment. Those who belong to the king, those who have believed in other, in other words and, and been made righteous through Christ and his death on the cross, uh, through his, the king's sacrifice for them, they will shine like the like the sun in the kingdom of their father. So the emphasis in this parable is not just on the separation at the end, but in, on the coexistence in the meantime. The coexistence, the wheat and the tares are meant to grow side by side until the harvest. The sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one will coexist in the world this world together until God says, time's up. And you and I, I think we could be compared to the farmhands because we're often like them. God, why not get rid of those weeds right now? You know, why allow them to keep growing and spreading and doing their damage? Lord, why not just wipe out all the evildoers? Uh, the, the silly man-made religions, the cheaters, the, the power-hungry, the the drug pushers, the adulterers, the racists, the, the, the abusers, the atheists, the scammers. And, and Lord, we'll be, we'll be glad to help out, you know. Uh, we don't want those folks around, around us or our children. Remember, it's kind of the same spirit as James and John. Remember when James and John, Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. And 
Well, here's one of the reasons why yeah, they, Jesus and his men were, were heading toward Jerusalem. They were traveling through Samaritan territory. This took place in Luke chapter 9, around uh, verse 54, I believe. Uh, but the Samaritans, you remember, were a mixed, a mixed race. They were, they were looked down upon. They were hated by most Jews. And um, the feeling was mutual. Jesus sent messengers ahead to let the Samaritans know they were coming. Samaritans sent a message back, said, no way. We don't want any Jews in our town. James and John, sons of thunder, said, Lord, how about we call down fire from heaven and, you know, burn that town to the ground like, like Elijah back in the, in the days of the kings. They wanted to put the sickle in right now and get rid of those ugly weeds right then and there. And Jesus rebuked them. He rebuked them for that that ungodly, unloving spirit. Their spirit was totally off base. There was another time, uh, Luke, same chapter, Luke 9, around verse 49, it says the disciples saw a man casting out demons. He was using the name of Jesus, remember? They tried to stop him because, as they said, he's not one of us. He's not one of us, not one of our group. Jesus said, don't stop him. He's fighting the devil. He's on our side. Well, that's the kind of material Jesus had to work with. And that same impatient, uh, judgmental attitude often infects us, I'm afraid. We're quick to condemn. We're, we're slow to exercise the mercy of Christ. You know, let's, uh, let's identify the evil, ungodly people and separate ourselves from them. Uh, find some way to punish them or get rid of them or at least avoid them. At least avoid them at all costs. And Jesus, the heavenly farmer, says, no, no, let the good seed, remember those who have accepted Christ and been made righteous, let the good seed and the bad seed grow together in this world. It's not harvest time yet. That's God's job. Our job is not to judge that's God's job. Our job is not to condemn those outside the kingdom, but to show mercy. Our job is not to punish sinners, but to witness to them. Our job is not to root out the weeds, but to convert them into weeds, into wheat. To bring them out of the kingdom of the evil one and into the kingdom of God. To give them Jesus. That's our job. Does that mean we should never speak against sin? Well, of course not. As long as we include our own favorite sins, and I'm sure you have a couple of favorite ones, as I do. And remembering that if it weren't for Jesus, you and I would be weeds too. You know, there but for the grace of God go I. Um, you were once a tear, a weed, a weed, a tear, maybe even a terror. I don't know. But you were once outside the kingdom, you know, until God showed you mercy, until he turned you from a sinner into a saint. You heard the gospel, you responded with trust, and you became a, a child of the kingdom. Now what? Now go find some other weeds and show them the same mercy that, God's, that God and God's servants showed you while there's still time. While there's still time, because the harvest is coming. 
Time is running out. There will be a separation someday. And that's taught especially in the other parable we read. The parable of the great net bringing in the fish. Down verse 47 through 49. Um, there the emphasis is a little more on the, the, the end of the age. The separation. There were t- three kinds of fishing on the Sea of Galilee. One uh, was maybe the kind that uh, many of you do. Uh, a line and a hook. One fish at a time. A little more common uh, for small business owners, I guess, and, and others, or to um, use a small net, which one man could ha- handle. He'd carry the net over his shoulder. He'd wade into the water, look for a school of fish. Uh, he'd hold uh, the center cord in one hand and throw out the net with the other hand so that it landed in a large circle over the fish and the weights on the edge of that net would cause it to sink and he'd pull up on the cord and it would somehow draw around the fish like like a sack uh, and he'd haul the catch to shore. But the third type of fishing is the one we see here. That's was with a large dragnet where it would often require a team of men uh, often working in two different boats. Uh, the, net, the net would cover up to a half of a square mile. Big net. Uh, the, it would float on one edge, and the, there were weights on the other edge so that it stood upright like a wall in the water. And the fishermen would pull on the ropes attached to the four corners of this wall, this big dragnet, and they'd drag it along, and they'd catch everything. Not just fish. I mean, even, you know, just all kinds of sea creatures and seaweeds and clams. And I suppose today they'd probably catch a lot of plastic too. Um, it all had to be sorted out once they got to shore. There they would throw out the, the unwanted creatures and other junk and they'd keep the good fish. And they'd put, put them in buckets to take to the market. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like that. Again, two kinds of people mixed together. You know, the good fish or the righteous, as he calls them. Those who have been made righteous through accepting Jesus. And the bad fish. Um, those who have rejected him. Those who are maybe under the delusion that they're, that they're still, that they're good enough on their own. Uh, they're all swimming in the same big net. And the net's closing in. The time is coming when... It'll be pulled into shore and the fish will be sorted out. And Jesus will separate the righteous from the wicked. So the emphasis here is on more on separation. The judgment. The sorting out. Heaven and hell. Not always an easy subject to talk about, is it? Especially in a day when, you know, hell is just a swear word or a joke. You know, sit around playing cards with the devil or something like that. But Jesus said, actually, he said more about hell than he said than he talked about love. He, he warned people, calling them to repent. He died bearing the pain of hell so that we wouldn't have to. And, and at the end of this age, there, there'd be a time of separation. If you're not sure where you stand, that could be some very bad news. But the good news is that there's still time. There's still time while you and I are still around and, and still time to make, make sure you're among the good fish. That, that you, don't ha- you don't have to wait until the net's drawn to find out. 
Remember Jesus' words, uh, John 5, 24? Maybe you memorized this verse, some of you as a child. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So you can trust Jesus, become a child of the kingdom, a good fish. Right now, you can cross over. And if you have, if you know who you are, if you know you're a son of the kingdom, a a sinner saved by grace, a saint, which is what the New Testament calls us, even though we don't always act like it, it calls us saints because he's... he's, um, made us righteous through his own blood, his sacrifice. It's not because of how nice and sweet and good you are. It's because of how good Jesus is. Um, If you are, then are you aware? I think the question that I have to face is, am I aware that every person I meet uh, is either a child of the king or still outside the kingdom? And every day the harvest is closer and the dragnet's being drawn to shore. And there's a reason that you and I are still here, mixed in among the weeds, mixed in among the, you know, all kinds of fish swimming in the same net. Um, Because there are people around us who need not condemnation, but need mercy. The mercy of God who need to know that he loved them so much he gave his only son for them so they don't have to perish. Do we understand how important it is for believers today to display the fruit of the Holy Spirit? I think especially of patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness which we are to show to all, all the fish in the net the wheat and the weeds, regardless, regardless of whether we agree with their political views, regardless of their economic status, regardless of their family background, regardless of their, their, their nationality or their race, or regardless of their education, regardless of, of their dress, how they dress, uh, it's so easy for us to express outrage at everything we don't like in today's culture. So easy to come across as angry warriors, maybe like James and John. So easy that we often end up treating people more like enemies instead of potential members of God's kingdom. I read a line in a book, uh, uh, a fellow was uh, talking about how, how the church how Christians should behave and, and, and try to witness to, to the culture around them today. And he began one chapter with, this, with these arresting words. He says, the next Billy Graham might be a drunk right now. And he remembered a conversation he had with a great theologian who told him, who knew, who knew, who knew that God would raise up a C.S. Lewis, a great Christian author, who was once an agnostic professor. Who knew that God would raise up a Charles Colson, who was once Richard Nixon's hatchet man? Who knew that he would raise these people up to, to lead, help lead the 20th century church? And we could say the same about the 21st century. Who knows who, whom God may raise up to lead his people in this 21st century? 
We're not called to be angry attackers. We're, we're called to be ambassadors for the kingdom. Yes, we are at war, but we're not at war with people. We're at war with the devil. And that's why the Apostle Paul, who, remember, was once a hateful uh, anti-Christian intellectual. He was very well educated. But God got a hold of him. And this is what he told Timothy. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. I didn't give them the, the verse, so you won't see it up here. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. There you have three of the fruits of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, gentleness, to all, to all. Peter said, uh, honor everyone. 1 Peter 2.17, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Crazy anti-Christian emperor sometimes. Honor everyone. Is there honor in the way we act toward those who are still outside the kingdom? It's crucial to show these things, kindness and patience and gentleness, because God, as it says, God may perhaps grant them repentance. They may come to Christ. So we don't back down from the truth, but we speak it with kindness and gentleness and showing honor to all knowing that God may bring them to repent and trust in Christ while there's still time before the final separation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we really need patience because every day we hear news that we don't like and we encounter people that rub us the wrong way. We really need the kindness and gentleness of the Holy Spirit because every day we rub shoulders with people that we don't, they don't uh, share the same love for you we have. And we ask you this morning to fill us with the power and the love of your Spirit that fruit would be visible and that the truth that we speak will be welcomed, that eyes would be opened and that the people we encounter and live around um, would come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Only you can do this, Lord, but you've chosen to use imperfect vessels like us who are sometimes a little bit too much like James and John. And so, Lord, grant us the, the vision to see people with your eyes this morning, with eyes of compassion, eyes that want to bring people to to see their great, the great thing you have done for them already on the cross. And we thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.